Hey, this is Mike Birbiglia, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, which is one of the better tape recorders. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, David Liebhart discusses why it's so much harder nowadays to get a break in show business. At one time, Ask, uh, FAG used to have a list of all the production companies, but thanks to Oprah Winfrey, uh, nobody can send pictures and resumes without being escorted by a talent agent. She ruined it for everybody. I'll tell you what happened. We'll hear more from David in just a bit. We're going to have a little uh, clip from Breakfast TV here in Cincinnati, our congressman discussing uh, gun control, amongst other things. A uh, pretty hilarious, darkly hilarious conversation. And at the end of the show, I'm going to uh, predict the set list for the orchestral maneuvers in the dark concert I'm going to this week. You'll want to stay tuned for that, or maybe you just want to stop listening after the David Lieb interview, which most of you probably do, and that's fine too, but <laughs> let's get to our dumb bit. My congressman is a gentleman named Brad Wenstrup. And formerly, my congressman was Rob Portman, who is now our senator for the state of Ohio, one of them. And uh, Rob Portman, you know, fine. Uh, the newspaper I work for here in town uh, has actually endorsed him several times when he was a congressman. And then slowly over time, we realized, oh, yeah, th- he's he's not good. And just to give you an example of uh, where he's coming from, uh, they ran this ad. And I, I wish I could find it. They ran this ad where he was patting himself on the back saying, Rob Portman's and all this great stuff. Rob Portman staunchly against uh, same-sex marriage until his son came out as gay. And then all of a sudden, hey, we should probably take another look at this. You know, one of those deals. It's not a problem until it's a problem for them. So anyway, Brad Wenstrup is our congressman now. And uh, he was on Breakfast TV uh, with uh, our own Kara Sewell uh, from Fox 19, our, our uh, local uh, uh, news station here in town we watch in the morning. And Kara Sewell, fine. Uh, we haven't met her before. We, she sat in front of us at a Cirque du Soleil show a couple of weeks ago. It seemed very pleasant. Chit-chatted with the other uh, people from her station and other news people uh, from around town because we were all sitting in the media section. And a perfectly pleasant woman, but, you know, what a newsreader, I guess, is more of an accurate description. She's not really a, a, a journalist or a reporter, uh, I would say. More of a, like a, they say, is a newsreader in the U.K. And anyway, so uh, Brad Wenstrup was on Breakfast TV with her. They were talking about the situation in Turkey, and then it kind of turned into the situations uh, that we've had here recently, including uh, Orlando. And, of course, the, the subject turned to gun control, and uh, the conversation went a little something like this. Because you do have people who own guns, gun owners, who say, listen, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm allowed to own a gun. I'm not a, a threat. I don't want my guns taken away from me. Okay, so first of all, if you are one of those folks, if you are responsible, if, you, if you're doing all the right things, if you're keeping it locked away, if you, you, know, you, you go to the shooting range and practice and you uh, – and by the way, let me, I want to bring up a point here. I had mentioned uh, many, many episodes ago – and I guess I can tell you who, who this person was. It was my brother. He's an ex-police officer. He was in his home down there in Orlando, coincidentally. And uh, someone was trying to break into their uh, house via the kitchen window. He pulled his gun, and he did not shoot her. He had this, he was trained. He's a, you know, he's a trained police officer. And not only, he was telling me the story again when he was visiting here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he didn't shoot the woman. She was uh, a drug addict who was trying to break into houses to steal money to buy drugs. Not, not, not uncommon, especially down there, uh, sadly. But he told me, he said, you know, the other thing I thought about was, and he thought about this before, was that if someone broke into the house, you know, if he shoots through that kitchen window, he thought, 
I might miss and hit somebody in the house next door because this house is literally only two feet apart from the other houses, okay? So, you know, if you're one of those folks, if you're responsible, if you know what you're doing, fine, have all the guns you want, I don't care. That's not the problem, Kara. And looking at both of those sides, it seems like there's not much of a coming together. So right there, the discussion is framed as people want to take away everybody's guns versus people that want to have guns. That's it. There's no there's no middle ground. So I guess we should just call it a day. No, if you listen to most uh, gun control advocates, uh, no one wants to take anybody's guns away completely because, first of all, as I've said in the past, and I think you know this is this is facts, is that we'll never take all the you'll never get all the guns back like that in Australia for several reasons. We have way too many of them. Our country is too big. Uh, you know, Australia did it and it worked. But, uh, you know, we have to understand that that's probably not going to work here. There are just too many guns. You'll never get them back. And it is even more woven into the fabric of our culture than it is the Australians. So you're not going to get them back. We're just asking people to use their heads. And I saw this thing. Uh, it was almost a Facebook, not fact book thing, or where these uh, I saw that where more people are uh, shot by toddlers then are killed by terrorists in America. And I thought, oh, that's got to be, you know. At first I thought, well, that sounds like it might be right. Uh, so I looked it up and go to Snopes, and sure enough, oh, it's true. Crap. But back to our discussion between uh, our own Kara Sewell and Congressman Brad Wenstrup. Uh, she left off by saying that there's, there's just there, there's two sides will never meet. There's no middle ground. We'll never get this solved. And Congressman Wenstrup agrees. Well, there, there isn't. And, you know, let's face it, uh, very sad what happened in Orlando. Mm -hmm. Ex extremely sad. One bullet from someone else who had a self-defense weapon could have saved a lot of lives. So let me get this straight. What we're proposing is that people in uh, a nightclub where there's a lot of lights, there's a lot of booze, there's a lot of people cultivating romantic relationships, so that's kind of getting people stirred up as well. This is the perfect place for people to be carrying firearms just in case something happens like what happened in Orlando. And that's perfectly reasonable. And then, of course, this whole one bullet from a thing. Really? You think someone is going to be that good a shot that inside a crowded nightclub, uh, with again, with flashing lights, possibly smoke, possibly people running around, that that person is going to, with one bullet, going to hit and and fatally or at least in, uh, incapacitate the gunman uh, properly without hitting anybody else, uh, without having to fire again and possibly hitting somebody else. Yeah, that that makes that makes perfect sense, uh, Congressman Wenstrup. Uh, so of course he you know he agrees with with uh, the with the, uh, the the newsreader. It's you know well we're never going to solve this. So the argument goes both ways all the time, but I think we really have to get to the root causes. Hmm, I wonder if the root causes have anything to do with the licensing of firearms or background checks or anything like that. Hmm, I bet they don't. What we're seeing in America today, we have mental health issues and we have terrorist issues. Again, more toddlers uh, shooting people than, than terrorists. That's, that's number one. And number two, nobody gives a shit about mental health issues in this country. They really don't. They say they do and they really don't. And this is something that at least, you know, my wife and I have always been big proponents of for years and years and years is that, you know, we need to take this more seriously. People, you know, uh, heart ailments, stroke, anything, anything below your neck, people take very seriously. Diabetes, obesity, all this stuff. And when it comes to mental health, though, it, it, you know, people just have this whole different view of it. And it reminds me of this episode of Star Trek. Oh, I would dig up the clip, but I didn't have time to do this. But basically, it's Dr. McCoy uh, talking about how uh, Captain Pike, he's in a, a, a wheelchair, wheelchair, he's incapacitated, and they have, have a hard time communicating with him. But anyway, and McCoy makes the point that it's the most, and this is supposed to be in the 23rd century, by the way, 
Uh, and he said this, they said this was written 60 years ago, 50, 60 years ago. And McCoy says to Kirk, he goes, you know, the brain is the most complicated uh, organ in the human body, and we still don't have a handle on it. And he's predicting in the 23rd century they're going to be saying this. And we've got everything else sorted in the human body by the 23rd century. Everything works. We can cure anything just about. And uh, but getting inside the mind, the brain is is the the hardest thing to do. But nobody cares. The only time they seem to care is when they think it's going to get, you know, people from stop talking about taking people's guns away, which nobody wants to do. It gets better. Check this situation in Philadelphia and the guy who shot the policeman 18 times who fortunately survived. That gentleman had a stolen gun that was formerly a police officer's. His family said he was hearing voices, so he had mental health issues, and he declared himself loyal to ISIS. Had mental health issues and declared himself loyal to ISIS. Now, he had mental health issues, so in all that stuff that he did, you know, probably caused him to, to shoot the police officer, but declaring himself to ISIS, no, that's, that has nothing to do with that at all. And, but I bet, I bet uh, Kara's going to point that out. I know you can't predict what Trump is going to say. I know we were joking about that right. earlier, that there is a lot that's going to happen at the RNC that you will right. be at coming up next month, so... So what? I mean, and again, I'm not mad at Kara Sewell. She's perfectly, perfectly lovely woman doing a, a perfectly fine job reading the news on the on breakfast TV here in Cincinnati. That's fine. But I, this notion that, you know, the guy had had mental health issues and then he declared himself. He says that he says that right here. Listen again. His family said he was hearing voices. So he had mental health issues and he declared himself loyal to ISIS. So I guess if he would have declared himself the Lizard King, then Congressman Unser would be saying that we have a reptile problem in this country as well that we need to have a serious discussion about. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. And this just in, go to any of our Home Shirts websites, use the code COMEHOME, all one word, and receive 20% off for a limited time. Now, on with the show. David Lee Hart is a stand-up comedian, puppeteer, and actor who you may have seen on Tim and Eric's awesome show, Great Job, over there on Cartoon Network. He's going to be touring the country this summer, so you can catch him headlining. He'll be doing stand-up and puppetry and music as well. Here now is our interview with David Liebhardt. I'm I'm still on the line, and where are you from? Cincinnati City Beat. Oh, wow, great. Uh, I have family from Ohio. My family has a lot of history in Ohio. Oh, okay. What part? Uh, uh, I have family from Dayton, Troy, Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. I'm also related to two very, very big, famous people from Ohio. Who are that? Who are they? I, on my Caucasian side, I'm related to the Wright brothers and President Grant. They, I'm, I'm just like Thomas Jefferson had a, um, a uh, African American side of the family. So did the Wright brothers, and so did President Grant. Oh wow! And um, and I'm part of that. Um, side of the family, and a lot of my family's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Ohio, and Erie, Pennsylvania, oh, yeah. and uh, so there's been a, a, I have a strong root in, in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, and also in Ohio. Okay. I, I did the Comic-Con, and, and, and I did the Comic-Con, uh, and, you know, you know and, um, just recently, about a month ago. Okay. And so, did so you, uh, go ahead. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did, um, did you? Uh, you've been in showbiz a long, long time, and you're you do a lot of different things. But I guess you started off as a puppeteer. Is that right? I'm a puppeteer, actor, and musician. Um, I went to. Um, uh, I had three famous Sunday school teachers in the Christian Science Church. My family were originally um, my great great grandfather, the uh, you know the Wright brothers were Presbyterian. Uh, and uh, before they uh, worked for the government to move to North Carolina to make the airplane. And for some strange reason, the Scottish and Irish and the Germans married a lot. Uh, the Presbyterian and Lutherans married a lot. And some of them were quite folk the Quaker Friends Church. Um, I also, my Caucasian side of the family, helped free slaves through the Underground Railroad that belonged to the Quaker Friends Church and the Unitarian Church. And some of them that were Lutheran before they all fell before the family all got converted to Christian Science in the 1900s. Okay. And then, how did that lead to your to your puppet skills? Well, um, I had Jim Henson as a Sunday school teacher in, in the Christian Science Church when I went to the family reunions in Washington D.C. And then when my family went up to Vancouver, Canada, or Montreal, Canada, I had family from. Uh, from uh, Canada, uh, I had the guy who did a famous puppet show uh, that was big in Canada called The Friendly Giant. And I had him as a Sunday school teacher in the Christian Science Church. And then in Chicago, where I was born and raised, I had um, Bert Stilston, who did Kukla Fred and Ollie, as a Sunday school teacher in the Christian Science Church. Uh, the, the, the famous, most famous people that have helped me out with my career have been from the Christian Science Church. Interesting. And so how did you expand beyond uh, puppetry and, and to develop other interests and get to do other things in oh, shows? Well, um, um, uh, Meredith McGray, who played on Petticoat Junction, who yeah. was a Christian scientist, she's deceased. Uh, her mother outlived her. She, her mother played Sheila McGray, who replaced uh, Audrey Meadows on the colored episodes of The Honeymooners that they never aired. Yes, they did a colored episodes of The Honeymooners on CBS. That was a lot better than the uh, black and white version that they did in the 50s. Um, and uh, also uh, her um, her, her uh, husband was Gordon McGray in the South Pacific. At one time, Hollywood was controlled by Christian scientists uh, instead of Scientologists and born-again Christians back in the, you know, all the way from Charlie Chaplin all the way up into this, to the 70s and the 80s. And then the actors and actresses all got converted to either being a born-again Christian or belonging to the Church of Scientology. Hmm. I, I thought there were knuckleheads out there that thought the Jews ran Hollywood. Yeah, um, I had a, another famous Sunday school teacher in the Christian Science Church, and I did not know he was really famous. And that was Walter Brennan, who did uh, yeah. The Real McCoys, and he yeah. won lots of Oscar and, and Emmy Awards. And he encouraged me as a child that I should pursue being an actor. His um, his daughters um, and, and granddaughters have a uh, acting school in Los Angeles, where they uh, and, and, and dedication to their great uh, grandfather Walter Brennan. Well, you, you hear the word Christian Science a lot, and of course, there's a famous newspaper called the Christian Science Monitor. But for the layperson, yeah, the Christian Science Church was founded by Mary Baker Eddy in the 1800s. She, okay. she was a very liberal lady. It's very sad that Republican and closed-minded conservative people uh, now run the church. 
Um, and they are, they've refused all my music from the New Christian Science Hymnal. I was told by Ann White that they didn't want any music in the Christian Science Hymnal that had an ethnic tone to it. I've run across a lot of, um, I love Christian science. It's helped me out a lot, but I've run across a lot of closed-minded Republican people that run the church, uh, which is really sad. So how is it different from other branches of Christianity? Like, I'm a Presbyterian, for well, example. Well, Christian science teaches you that you can be healed directly through prayer, um, which the other religions don't teach. Christian science, um, Mary Baker, uh, the uh, New Thought, or um, um, uh, Christian science at spinoffs, like... Uh, all of the family had with Maude and the Jeffersons. Um, Christian science had to spin off silent unity. And, and so unity and, and Christian science did not start at the same time. Uh, Charles and Little Fillmore studied under Mary Baker Eddy, and uh, she gave them money to start their own church, and they went to Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, and started uh, silent unity instead because they didn't believe in, uh, in doctors. Uh, they didn't like the part where Mary Baker Eddy was against uh, going to doctors. Also, Mary Baker Eddy taught Ernest Tomes, who made the Church of Religious Science, which they changed the name to the Church of Better Living, and they all give all the credit to Quimby when they got, when they when when the, when they got their talent and studied under Mary Baker Eddy, which I don't think is fair at all. Mm. Just like that lot of the uh, Martin Luther, uh, when he would get to, broke off from the uh, Catholic Church, didn't want to admit that he was once a Catholic priest. Oh, okay. So, well, getting back to you, though, you said you decided to, to go into acting. How much success were you having as a puppeteer? Uh, before? Well, you... my parents paid for me to take acting school at Goodman Grit, Theater in Chicago when I was a kid. My, uh, my, uh, um, there was a famous actress, uh, Marjorie Lord, who, uh, was the, uh, actress, uh, TV actress on the Danny Thomas show, Make Room for Danny. She wanted to, uh, she was, uh, in the same Christian science, uh, uh, circle my parents were, and she wanted me to get into acting. And so she paid for me to, to read, come into California back in the 60s to read for the, um, the, um, Andy Griffith show, which was a spinoff from Make Room for Danny. And, uh, I, uh, came to California and I read for the, uh, for the, uh, Make Room for Danny show, uh, I mean, for the correction for the, uh, Andy Griffith show. And I was supposed to come to California and my parents didn't want me to break into show business at an early age, so it never happened. So how old were you at that point? I, I was, well, I was born in 55, and I must have been, say, about eight or, oh, so or really young. seven. Okay. So when did you finally... A long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So when did you Which finally... TV was in black and white. Yes, yes. The, the great Andy Griffith show, of course. When did you finally make it to California and were able to pursue acting? Uh, well, I, well, I waited. Um, uh, it's a long story. That, that didn't work out for me to stay in Berkeley School for Music. Um, and, uh, Mr. Winston stated, who let me work for my rent, uh, his, uh, he used to own an apartment building, uh, on St. Patrol Street in Boston. He was going through a divorce, and so I had to move out immediately. And so I couldn't finish my study at Berkeley School for Music. And so then I went to Philadelphia to stay for a little while with my half-brother. I got robbed and beat up really badly in Philadelphia. 
Philadelphia. Oh my gosh. So I didn't think Philadelphia was going to work for me. So I, um, I helped some Asian guys drive a car from, uh, from Chicago to, uh, California. And then Quincy Jones workshop was started. Um, I, uh, became a part of Quincy Jones workshop and, uh, uh, um, they decided, uh, Quincy Jones decided to, uh, he was, this workshop was supposed to help new talent out. Instead, it went to help out Jesse Jackson's, uh, um, great, great, um, grandson, Will Smith, and he did, uh, Quincy Jones used the energy in giving, um, Will Smith his own show, The Prince of Bel Air, and, uh, and helping Michael Jackson out with all his albums that made him famous, Quincy Jones produced it. And the people that worked at the Quincy Jones workshop didn't get discovered for anything. And, uh, I, uh, used to be at 6430 uh, Sunset Boulevard, and I saw I was spending my wills with that. So then I did stand-up comedy with Robin Williams when he was living. Uh, I met Robin Williams at Fifth Church of Christ Scientist that used to be on the corner of LaBray in Hollywood. And there a lot of big stars went there. Ginger Rogers, um, we would see Doris Day at night there. Uh, the Christian Science Church had two services back then. My cousin Phyllis McKinnon was a member uh, there. And uh, I would help her at the uh, evening service set up. And uh, there we, um, I met um, um, Doris Day. Doris Day, I asked Doris. I also met Doris Day at the Beverly Hills Christian Science Church, uh, and she would tell me. I asked her what was her recipe for success, and she told me to know that I'm success in action and to uh, and to follow my dreams and and take acting classes and know that I'm a winner, not a loser, and to. Uh, know that I could do all things through Christ which strengthened me and this don't let anybody discourage you that you're talentless, know that you're talented, that you're very talented. And uh, she uh, encouraged me. She uh, sold her home in Beverly Hills and moved to uh, Carmel, California, where she started a, um, a, uh, a animal of, um, um, thing for saving uh, stray dogs and cats, uh, animal, uh, a hotel, a hospital. And, uh, but she was a great, um, um, influence and encouragement for my career with Doris State. Now, for the young people, how did you, uh, end up working with Tim and Eric? I mailed out thousands and thousands of pictures and resumes all over. Um, um, at one time, Ask, uh, Fag used to have a list of all the production companies, but thanks to Oprah Winfrey, uh, nobody can send pictures and resumes without being escorted by a talent agent. She ruined it for everybody. I'll tell you what happened. Um, uh, Oprah Winfrey said that she wanted to give new talent a chance again, another African-American entertainer. I mailed Oprah Winfrey my picture and resume, told her I had an idea for a children's game show, a children's show teaching kids to stay in school and say no to drugs by having them play uh games uh, to win that could pass the spelling test and the reading test and the, um, and, 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 and the arithmetic test, and then they would get a prize, like a game show. And I had that show idea for Oprah Winfrey. And then I got a, uh, the letter was mailed back to me, returned to the sender. I had to pay for the letter coming back. And then uh, her staff, and she cited, we don't take unsolicited material from peons and unknown actors and actresses. But it said in your Oprah Winfrey magazine, and you said publicly you wanted to give the talent a chance. And she, um, and so then I, uh, 
you know, or who just died this year, who was the president of Screen Actors Guild, he had his attorneys and lawyers to look at it. No, for one three. Uh, made it so that no production company will allow any newcomers to just send their pictures and resumes. It says in the, uh, and the, uh, Hollywood Reporter, Ross Reporter, and the, uh, and, and the acting magazine, um, um, called the, uh, Ross Reporter. They changed the name of that recently. Uh, let me pick two sheets so let see if I get the correct name. But anyway, uh, let me get the correct name of that magazine because they changed the name of that magazine. Uh, on all the production companies that are advertised and the, and the magazine, they say the correct name, the only magazine, uh, they, they, they put in the magazine that you can't send any pictures or resumes, not unless it's escorted by a talent agent or they will throw them in the garbage or discard them right away. Yeah. Just been, it off. You know, it's been that way for a long, long time, though, because uh, some buddies of mine and I did that back in the 80s, and we kind of ran into the same problem, although I think you were allowed to do well, I don't one. think it's fair. Oh, no, because, not at all. Uh, I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's biased, and it's like my, like my, like my family on my, on my dad's side are all Masons, and you have to have someone to swear you into the Mason organization that doesn't know you. It's just, it's just like, it's very, it's like belonging to a sorority where, where a lot of people are excluded, and I don't think that's fair at all. Yeah, well, people don't want to get sued, though. That's the thing. Because that happens a lot, too. Well, I don't think you get sued uh, because uh, uh, Gene Stapleton told me to know God was my agent and, 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 and to know that I didn't need an agent. I'm with... And, I, and she said that she got a lot of her job for a lot of work without having an agent. And that's what Gene Stapleton told me. And she said she wished me all the luck in the world. And, and she told me to know that God was my agent. But uh, I got many of my own big bricks by pushing myself. But I can't do that anymore because that you got to have an agent. The name of the book is um, called Backstage, and it's called it's recalled Call Sheet. Call Sheet and Backstage are the only magazines that publish production companies. And in all the uh, production companies, it says you have to have a lawyer or a talent agent or a manager to send your picture and resume forward or it'll be discarded. I... Uh, um, I, I got on the gong show and the newlywed game without being, having a talent agent. I got on the Tim and Eric also show great job at the time not having a talent agent. Now I'm with the Jack Scanati talent agency. Uh -huh. So, um, I, I don't think it's fair. I think it's going to block, uh, a lot of good talent from being able to, to, uh, to come in the entertainment business. So you got to, on the Tim and Eric, though, they just pulled your uh, stuff out of a stack of stuff? I, I got on the Tim and Eric show on my own. Uh, ben Berwin, who does Comedy Bang Bang, called me, and he says, we'd like you to come in and read for uh, Absolutely Production. That's the name of Tim and Eric's production company. And uh, the, the uh, when I first, I've been with them now for 12 years. Uh, I've done um, uh, five years of Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. And I did a lot of uh, walk-on parts of shows that never took. 
And then I did uh, four years of Check It Out without Steve Rule. I spent more time with Absolutely Production than any other production company I've ever been with in Hollywood. And I've done something like uh, 40 different movies and 200 different uh, TV shows, walk-on parts on shows. But I never made it famous until I did the Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. So um, another thing I wanted to ask you, I understand you're a, uh, a big fan of trains. Now, have you ever been to Cincinnati before? Uh, the, the older band called Cream? No, no. Cincinnati. Have you ever been to Cincinnati before? I've been to Cincinnati for family reunions. Okay. I've been so, to Cincinnati with Kevin Eric for five years when I used okay. to go with them. For my old punk rock band, I was in Cincinnati for six years with them when I used to work with Adam Pop again. Oh, neat. I've been uh, uh, to Cincinnati uh, the, the, the last two and a half years I've worked with, with Jonah Motion. Okay, so my question is, uh, if you've been to our museum center then, correct, which is our old train station? I haven't been to your museum. Oh. Um, I used to belong to a railroad museum um, and since in Ohio that closed. Um, this guy named Mr. Brookins owned a, um, a trolley museum, and he saved some of the Chicago's famous interurban cars called the Chicago Lord and Elgin. His grandson sold the... Uh, Museum, the Brookings uh, Trolley Museum, to uh, to uh, build a big mall there. He didn't have a the love of trains that his, his grandfather had. He uh, was very wealthy in Ohio. I was just going to say and, because uh, our uh, our our museum center, which houses our natural history museum and our history museum, as well as our children's museum, is actually the old train station, which was uh, used from 1933 until about 1971. And, uh, wow. And then it was, but it was converted oh. into a museum in the 1990s. I probably went to the museum when I was coming through there, but I haven't been there for the last 10 years. Yeah, you should, you should check it out. I went there with my time. Aunt Ray, okay. who's deceased, and I went, uh, and I went there with, uh, with my, with my grandmother Schroeder when I was a little boy, but I haven't been there in years. I well, haven't been there recently. If you have time, you should check it out because you can go upstairs and look at the old control room. They had that preserved, and you can see the uh, how they used to like control all the trains coming into the station and all that. So, if uh, a fan of trains, well, well, I'm with Jonah. He won't let me. Uh, I'm having two problems. Jonah that does all the driving. Ah. He doesn't want to drive me anywhere except for the places we have to go. Huh. And then I've run across a lot of phony fans that said they were going to drive me and show me around at different places. The worst fan was a lady that agreed. She said she had the same birthday I had, and she said she was single and then in Texas. This woman said she was going to drive me around and never, and never showed up after she came and met me once to get gas money. Uh, then I just recently, in New York, um, I was in Santa Cruz, New York, and this woman said she was a big fan of mine, and she had a, a rover uh, a taxi service, and she had to raise a, do uh, a son by her, her, herself from her, and she was a bartender. She took $30 from me and never came back the next day to drive me uh, 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 to the different museums and the sites in Santa Cruz, New York. So I'm running across a lot of plastic, phony people. I never expected people from back east or the best to be like that. And yeah. That happens a lot from in California, but I'm running across in the Midwest, which is very sad, and, and back east. And that's really so I'd like, me, 
I like to meet people. People agree to drive me around and show me around. I, I, I need people that are sincere, that are not plastic, that are not going to lie to me, okay. and that are going to follow through. Sounds good. And as for your live show, what can folks expect? It's mostly music, I take. Well, I know you've done stand-up, too, though. So. Well, I do stand-up comedy. I'm going to be doing a little rap music with Chip the Black Boy, the puppet. I will be... Um, I will be uh, doing songs I wrote about ex-girlfriends I had, and 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 uh, and the UFO experience and the paranormal oh, yeah. ghost experience I experienced, and I've written a lot of UFO songs. Okay, you've been in contact with aliens, you say? Huh? You've been in contact with aliens, you say? Uh, yes, I have in the past, but not anymore. Okay, how many and, times? Um, my, my grandma, as I told you, I was related on my Caucasian side to the Wright brothers, who, um, the uh, Wright brothers, as well as Tesla, got their back engineering technology, working with extraterrestrials. And a lot of the stuff that we take for granted that we use in our home and our and um, also my cousin Phyllis McKinnon. The McKinnons were originally from Erie, Pennsylvania, as well as... Um, um, from uh, Connersville, Indiana, and they, that side of the family were past Presbyterian ministers before they were Christian scientists. And uh, my cousin, uh, Phyllis McKinnon, uh, she, she was a retired Army officer, used to work as a secretary at Greg Patterson's Air Force Base, oh. and she shared a lot of the uh, paranoia with me before she died. And I lived with her for 15 years, and she was on my Caucasian side. Hmm. That side was part of Irish and German and and, and, um, and Scandinavian and Austrian. And you, you live in Southern California, right? Yes, I do. You should, I should, do. I uh, do. A guy I know... Uh, That's where I lived with, with my cousin Phyllis McCann for 15 years. Okay. Uh, well, a, um, a guy I'm friendly with named Ryan Singer does a podcast called Paranormal Me, or Me and Paranormal You, and I think you'd be a great guest for that. You could talk about your uh, UFO well, experiences. Well, I've contacted... Uh, tell him. Okay. I, I know a lot about the paranoia. I know a lot about the UFO phenomenon. Okay, great. Um... Richard Dunn uh, was a Navy SEAL who I worked with on the Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. Uh, he was trying to get out of Scientology, and um, I believe that someone, uh, one of their people hit him in the head and gave him a concussion, and he oh died. Uh, that's what I was told. So uh, the Scientology and Christian science are two different religions. Scientology yeah. is oh, a yeah, religion yeah. Uh, that L. Rod Hubbard Formed, um, and he said even openly on the Jay Reynolds show that he only started to make money off of people. Yeah. And, and, and Mary Baker Eddy founded Christian Science, a church to help people through prayer and healing. And that was founded in the 1800s. And they're two different religions and they always get them mixed up. Cool. Oh, yeah. I can, I, um, I mean, yeah, and then it's a, weird that people mix this up. Person but... that, the other group. The big company that donates a lot of money and a lot of support to the Christian Science Church and their Christian Science. This is a Smucker Jelly Company, and they're from uh, Ohio. Orwell, Ohio, yeah. And they don't know a lot of money. I wanted to do commercials with them. I wanted to be a part of them, but they denied me. And uh, uh, another big group is in uh, a big publishing company that publishes most of the solos and hymns for the Christian Science Church. Um, they did refused all my music was Watchfire Music. They're okay. from Ohio. All righty. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it there, David. Appreciate you taking the time. This piece will be in City Beat 
uh, the week that you're in town, so you can check it out. I'm sure they'll have it at the uh, at the gig. And, okay, uh, well, if you can get someone, put on the thing. I need someone to show me around. Sure, my music's with Ask Ask Cap, so if you could get my music played on the uh, on the radio, that would help. Okay, uh, I'm an Ask Cap songwriter. I'll tell you what, we'll um we'll have people contact our show, and then then people can contact you. I'll, I'll contact your publicist, your the your manager. Um, and and we'll get that sorted, okay? If, if, if anyone can show you around Cincinnati, all right. That way, we don't, you know, no one's contacting Thank you. Thank you very much for your interview, and you have a great day. All right, David. Thanks. Bye bye. Thanks again to David Liebhart for being on the show. Uh, David is touring all throughout the United States this summer, and the uh, second leg of his tour is going to start here on Monday, I believe. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Wednesday, uh, July 6th. He is in Reno, and then he goes to Salt Lake City, St. Louis, uh, Minneapolis, Louisville, Lexington, comes here to Cincinnati, Dayton, Columbus. So just go to his website. is artbyliebhart.com. That's art by, then uh, L-I-E. B-E-H-A-R-T dot com, or as they say on the BBC, just go to your favorite search engine and type in David Liebhart, and that should take you to his web portal. We're going to skip the uh, credits this week because we have some important business to get to, uh, namely that I'm going to see OMD on Wednesday. They are the opening opening act for uh, Bare Naked Ladies and Howard Jones, so we're going to see OMD, Howard Jones, and I may or may not stick around for Bare Naked Ladies. And again, Bare Naked Ladies, you would think would be straight in my basket. They're from Toronto. They're quirky. They're clever. I only like about one or two songs. I don't know. I just, just never took. Anyway, um, I can't get anybody to go with me to OMD. You would think I was asking people to go see the Zika virus with me, but nobody will go. Uh, fangirl can't go. She's working. Uh, producer Lizzie is reluctantly going to accompany me to the show. And I don't know, who knows? Maybe she'll become a fan after that and then at least I'll have somebody on my side around these parts. But anyway, uh, I'm gonna, uh, you know, commonly when you go to a concert nowadays, it's it, you, people go to set list and they look up what songs are gonna be performed. And other people like to be surprised. And normally I do look up the set list because I'm curious. But in this case, I want to be surprised. So I said a couple of months ago that I was gonna predict what the OMD set was going to be. I know one of the songs already because someone posted on Facebook in the OMD group uh, in Minneapolis. There they saw the show, so I already know what that's gonna be. At. And so I was pretty sure we're gonna get. If You Leave, So In Love, Dreaming, Forever Live and Die, because those were the four top 40 hits. If You Leave, getting to like four, I think, and then Dreaming got to like 13, and then So In Love and Forever Live and Die, I end up at 20-odd or something. So anyway, I had uh, producer Lizzie the other day go to set list and said, I said, just tell me how many songs we're going to hear, and then I will go from there. So we get 11 songs. I'm going to predict uh, Messages, Tesla Girls, Souvenir. Made of Orleans, that's the one I know that they're going to do that uh, someone posted about. If You Leave, Forever Live and Die, So In Love Dreaming. Anola Gay, Metroland, from one of the newer albums. And then they'll finish up with Electricity. So that is my prediction for the show. Um, I will be talking about it next week, of course. And let me see. I guess that's going to about do it, uh, except for the Song of the Week. Oh, which I did not Billboard, by the way, in the intro. Song of the Week is from Fitz and the Tantrums, who we're also huge fans of. Their new album is uh, eponymously titled... Fits and the Tantrums. It is their third. The new single is called Hand Clap, and uh, I like it. It gets grown on me, and uh, it's right in their wheelhouse. It's, it's a bit of a different sound, but still very fitzy in the Simmonsy sound and all that. So this is Hand Clap. It is our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. Turn it up! Somebody save your soul because you've been sinning.